Hello, friends. Welcome to the 300 Podcast. This is a pod for fans of both golf and comedy. We consider ourselves expert golf viewers, but we won't pretend to be expert players. If you're looking to take strokes off your game, you should probably try another pod or just go to the driving range. However, if you like talking Tiger Woods, gambling, and partying, you've probably come to the right place. My name is Tom, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, John and Zep. Let's head to the first tee and get started. We are back with the three under pod. This is John, and I've got Zep and Tom with me on today. Got quite the show in store for you. We're going to talk through the Arnold Palmer Invitational that just wrapped up on Sunday. Going to give you guys a little bit of a preview of the match play, and like always, we're going to talk a little gambling towards the end. Uh, so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into Arnie's tourney at Bay Hill. What a Sunday it was. Jam-packed leaderboard with some of the top players in the world. Rory pulls away with it. It was an incredible performance on Sunday, shooting a 64. Tiger's back still, uh, swimming around that leaderboard, has some exciting moments down the stretch. We'll dive into some of that. Um, Bryson DeChambeau was up there, my boy from SMU, so we'll talk a little bit about him. Let's go ahead and get started, fellas. What do you think about Rory's performance on Sunday? Yeah, pretty incredible. I mean, he keeps saying how close he was, and he wasn't as far off as people thought. And, and obviously, the flat stick was a big thing that's been missing. I mean, it, it was only a couple of weeks ago. I, I think he four-putted a hole, and he, he was missing 10-footers by a foot. Um, but to see him rolling in those putts from 20 feet out and chipping in, I mean – a hundred putts through seventy-two holes is absolutely absurd, uh, considering where he was with the putter a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, as far as he hits it, uh, if he's putting well, he's going to be really, really tough to beat in any tournament he plays. I agree. He sort of forgot about him a little bit with uh, all this Tiger uh, hullabaloo lately, but his swing is so beautiful. He, when he is bombing it and hitting it straight, and he's got his confident walk going. He is real fun to watch play golf. A takeaway for me, too, was his arms. He looks massive. A lot of discussion around him not crediting Brad Faxon or whatever uh, with the putting tip after the round. But I, I want to hear about his strength coach. I want him to credit his strength coach because he looks massive. Yeah, he's just got, you know, we talked about uh, Paul Casey's Popeye forearms. Rory's got that and just his uh, his back muscles showing up through his golf shirt. Um, he's a strong dude for as compact as he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's it's been well noted at this point that that Saxon gave him a putting tip, and I think he got a swing tip also. He did he didn't credit either in the post round interview. I thought that was pretty funny, but um, man, he's uh he's gonna be tough to beat. He's like five nine. Also, I think he hit his drive three seventy five on sixteen on Sunday, and he's like five foot nine. Give me a break. I also kind of forgot about him holding out. Uh, on 18 at East Lake to get into a playoff and win the FedEx Cup not too long ago. <laughs> oh, is that against Ryan Moore or whatever? That was the 2016 uh, Tour Championship. That was the last time he won, if you guys recall, which was also the day that Arnie died, making it very fitting for him to get his next W at Arnie's tourney. Rory's a closer, though. Did you guys see that he was even through five and seemingly like totally out of the tournament while – 
uh, Stinson and DeChambeau were, were piling on a couple of birdies early. And then he closed with eight birdies in his last 13 holes. And five out of the last six. I mean, once once that chipping went in, you just knew it was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, strong strong performance from Rory. Looking forward to seeing him continue that run up through the Masters. What do you guys think about his shot at the Masters? You guys uh, picking him as a favorite? When I think about Rory at the Masters, the first thing that pops into my head is him uh, in that backyard when he was the third round leader and he <laughs> I think he ended up like fifteenth. He might have shot eighty on Sunday. And they they had to like change the camera angle to show him in that backyard where he was looking for his golf ball. So I think this is his year to uh erase that memory from my head, get the career grand slam or at least uh compete for it. I don't know. I don't know if he's the favorite. I heard someone say that he's built for that course. I mean if he's built for that course, you know what are you waiting for, Rory? Um, yeah, yeah I mean, should, should he be a, a top five favorite? Yeah. Would, would I personally bet him to finish ahead of Tiger? Maybe. But I don't know. Uh, I don't think he should be the favorite, but I think he should be up there if he's figured something out with his putting. Maybe the weak point of the week for Rory um, in all aspects of his game and his aura was his, his take on the fans and suggesting that a way to curb fan misbehavior is to only sell beer and not spirits at PGA events. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from to a certain extent. Apparently, he was getting heckled. Some guy was saying stuff about his wife, which just isn't cool. I don't I don't think there's really a place for that. Though, I also don't want to start open up the door to people getting kicked out of these golf tournaments for saying just about anything and everything. I kind of am on the side of the fence where as long as people aren't saying stuff in your backswing, then you should just tune it out. Um, and I don't, I, I don't ever see that happening necessarily. I, I, I think that alcohol sales are going to continue and people are going to still use these golf tournaments as a way to get a good head buzz going for 12 hours a day in the sun. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, something tells me the bros who are out there looking to get drunk and yell stupid stuff are still going to find a way to get drunk, even if they don't sell cocktails and they only sell uh, light beer. Um, so I don't know if that would really solve the problem. I mean, I, he has a point, but I don't know. I mean, ju- just like in the NBA where players are arguing for a shorter season, um, you know, there's going to be a financial impact of that, and alcohol sales are part of revenue of PGA Tour events. So I think if you gave the players the alternative to cut the purses by 15 20%, uh, if they don't sell alcohol, <laughs> uh, I, I think they'd, they'd take the heckling. Yeah, I agree. Do they sell liquor at the Masters? One one take you could have here is just do whatever the Masters does, because the Masters is perfect. <laughs> do, do they sell liquor at the Masters? I don't actually. I don't think so. When I when I was there, I don't remember there being liquor. I remember just having beer and maybe some wine. But I mean, the Masters is a totally different animal altogether, right? Like you're not going to get that aura of Augusta at uh, the Valspar, for example. And you're going to get bros out there who are just trying to drink. You can't you can't limit who you're selling the tickets to, like the Masters does. As much as, as much as some of these as much as some of these players would probably like them to. No backlash yet from the gluten free community, but we'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> yeah, people forget how strong the Tito's lobby is. <laughs> All right, any other thoughts on Rory's performance from this weekend, or should we just dive straight into the big cat? Let's do Let's it. Go big. 
Let's do it. So another another Sunday with the red shirt making a bit of a storm onto the leaderboard. Looked like he was gonna put something special together on the last few holes. Got it got it to just one back of the lead on fourteen, I think he birdied. Then he parred, fifteen almost chipped in, and then we all know he ripped the driver O B left on sixteen and ended any prayer he had of, of taking this one home. What are y'all's thoughts on, on Tiger's performance? Do we think he's all the way back, getting close? Let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, takeaway for me was most of the week it didn't seem like he was really playing that well in terms of his long game, uh, and he still got himself into contention and, you know, had a chance with three strokes back. So that just tells me that he's, like, really good at golf and is going to continue to earn high finishes. So... I'm high on him. Continue to be optimistic. I think he's going to be raring to go for the Masters. What do you think, Zeb? Yeah, I mean, his, his good shots are great. It's about minimizing the bad ones. I mean, no one's going to go out there and not have an errant drive uh, through 72 holes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's he's he's competitive two weeks in a row. I mean, what more can he ask for? Um, you, you could say he might be able to, you know, get comfortable enough to attack some more pins versus put it in the center of the green. But yeah, he's, he certainly doesn't have the the yips chipping and putting anymore. How about that putting stat from nine feet and in this week? I don't think he ever missed one. He put him somewhere in like the ballpark of sixty for sixty inside of nine feet. That's gonna win you that's, tournaments. That's an unbelievable stat. Like an eight footer is a long putt. Like what am I from eight feet? Like probably like thirty seven percent, even if it's dead straight. That's a bonker stat to me. Though I will say. When he's when he has that driver out and he's he's hovering over that driver, I have no confidence in him whatsoever. I feel like it could go anywhere at any time. Like he hit a couple. Well, one he that wasn't his first out of bounds of the week when he hit it out of bounds on 16 Sunday, and then two he hit a couple other ones that he missed that weren't out of bounds but missed the fairway by like 50 yards. So I think if he can straighten that thing out, he's going to be real tough to beat. But I don't know if he ever actually had that thing straightened out when he was the best player in the world either. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's going to come down to, right? It's like he's he's doing great when he can get away with hitting two iron off the tee. Um, but in majors, when he may not be able to get away with it, well, it's going to depend on how straight he hits the driver. He's just hitting it so far. Away. Like he can hit a, he's hitting three woods as far as other people's drivers. And he's ripping that two iron, like 285. It's unbelievable. So what do you guys think for the Masters? I mean – He's definitely going to have to hit more drivers in three woods uh, than he has the past couple of weeks. Do you think he gets that straightened out before the Masters? Yes. I mean, it sounds like part of it was mental. I mean, his his post-round interview with uh, Sandy, um, basically Sandy. said he, he, he basically pulled a, a speech on 13 and just, you know, stood over the ball and changed his mind and didn't commit to the shot. And then he just ripped, unlike speech, he then got up and ripped the next one. And typed it down the center of the fairway. Uh, yeah, that was a bomb. I think it was like 348 down the center of the fairway, only to be outdone by Rory hitting that one 378. Yeah, Rory didn't have to worry about any uh, any divots where he hit the ball. I, I think I saw one, and I think it may have been someone's layup. Yeah, probably Poulter's. <laughs> the other thing Tiger has going for him at Augusta is usually at Augusta when you hit one really bad, there's no out of bounds, and you end up with a nice clean line on the pine straw. That's good. Except for on number 10 where Rory hit in that guy's backyard. Yeah, I was just about to say, except for the backyard that Rory has frequented. <laughs> All right, so 
What are y'all's what were y'all's favorite Tiger moments from the weekend? I I was watching on Saturday and just got goosebumps watching him in that bunker on sixteen with a long iron with the lip about eighteen inches in front of him, trees in front of him, over water and just murders what I think was a five or a six iron and sticks it to like twenty feet. Uh I mean as a gambler, uh my favorite shot was probably his O B on sixteen on Sunday. Um <laughs> It was good to see he still has that shot in his bag, uh, given my financial obligation to him not winning a major. But, um, I mean, it was, just, it was overall impressive. I, to, to your, you know, one thing I'm a little sick of is just every time he swings hard, or <laughs> people talk about, oh, I guess the back's okay. It's like, all right, the back's fine, guys. We get it. It's been three weeks of this now. Yeah, on that note, my favorite shot of the weekend was when he swung really hard at one from the rough on 16th Friday. Uh, I am not tired of that yet, uh, especially on that one. He, the dip it he took out looked like someone's backyard. It was massive, and it was one of those like swings where the club finishes like on his lower back. And I was like, oh man, I think that might have hurt my back, even if I started with a healthy back. And he looked great. So I'm not yet tired of those, and that was my favorite shot of the weekend. Yeah, all kinds of good action from Tiger this weekend. I've got to think at this point in the year, based on what we've seen from him so far, I mean, he's a lot for the Ryder Cup, right? I mean, if they're still trying to sell ads during the TV telecast of the Ryder Cup, uh, I think it would behoove them to put him on the team. So, yes, in terms of economics, and yes, in terms of uh, playing ability. So I guess the question is, does he, he does he qualify, or is he a captain's pick? He'd, he'd at least be a captain's pick, right, as long as he's not hurt? Oh, yeah. That, that's really the yeah. question. Like, barring injury, he's on the team, at least as a captain's pick. I completely agree, yeah. Matt. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, for one, wouldn't be totally shocked to see him qualify on his own. I think he's going to win one at some point this year. If he could keep putting up top ten, he's going to make the team. So it's like, a tri- it's like a trailing 18 months or two years, right? Because, like, Kepka's still near the top because of his U.S. Open win last year. Yeah, but I think the only tournaments, and I looked it up a couple of weeks ago, I don't have it in front of me, I think the only tournaments from last year that count are the majors. Got it. Uh, it's, not, something, it's something weird, yeah. It's something weird. It's not... Not um, FedEx Cup or WGCs? Okay. Yeah, and, or maybe maybe it's something with WGCs, but it's very, it's very heavily weighted to the performance of the current year of the Ryder Cup, and then you get more weight put on the majors and WGCs, I believe. It's a lot to be decided. Brooks Kepka's third right now. Brian Harmon's in seventh. I'm just looking at, like, who who might drop out. Ches Reeves' 12th. See ya. Is Patton Kazire on, on that with his two wins? He is not. I, I think his two bullshit-ass wins early this season. Um, I mean, I, I think <laughs> he's 13th or 14th right now. He's 14th right now. Uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we don't hear from Pat and Kazire too much. The last time I saw him play, he looked like a, a weekend hacker out there. They should make it so the captain can unpick two people who qualify if he doesn't like them, like <laughs> Brian Harmon with right. all, all due respect to Brian. Oh, I like that. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods is already in 24th, so, and he didn't play last year at all. So I kind of like his chances to qualify outright. 24th, nice. In the in the top eight, Brian Harmon probably the most likely to fall out. I kind of thought Brian Harmon was Canadian. Anywho, <laughs> he just gives off that vibe. 
so we've got nothing else on Tiger. I mean, as we're thinking about the Ryder Cup, the only other thing that I that was going through my mind watching the action on Sunday was, man, that team of Euros is going to be stacked for Paris. Between Rory looking as good as he does, Paul Casey with the win last week at the Valspar, Stinson looked like a stallion again on the golf course on Sunday. You got Rosie up there. And that's not even getting into the Spaniards like Sergio and Rom and your boy Rafa. I mean, I'm getting a little nervous for 2018 in Paris, fellas. It's got to be tight, man. I mean, Rose and Stenson are just beasts. I, I'm I'm loving Stenson, the way he's playing. And also, he, he seems like it's just a cool dude. I hear he's actually very funny, too. But, yeah, this European team is going to be strong. It's going to be a ton of fun. Should we just go? Yeah, I think we should definitely go. We'll be inside the ropes, so we might as well go, right? <laughs> yeah, we have passes. Who is our most likely French player to make the team? Isn't that what's the price of Jambo? Mr. Stella Artois himself. What about Vic? Isn't Vic Debussin or whatever the uh, best French golfer? Uh, Juice yeah. Lewitin. Oh, Juice. Number Juice Lewitin is uh, is number twelve on the European list. Do they only have four automatic qualifiers on the Europe team? By the way, all Englishmen. No, I think the way they do the Euro teams, I think they do, like, two sets of point standings. I think they do, like, a Euro Tour point standings, and then they do, like, a world point standings. And so I think the top four off each of those lists get in. I think they've made – they basically changed the way they've done it, so people like Casey and Rom, who play most of their tournaments on the PGA Tour, have a shot at getting in. They've changed it a bunch over the years. They used to make it so if you wanted to automatically qualify for the team, you basically needed to play full-time on the European tour. And then some guys basically said, okay, I'm just going to basically sacrifice making the Ryder Cup team automatically. And they went and played full-time in the U.S. And now they're trying to do like a little hybrid thing where they're at least trying to get the best European players to play the European tour sometimes. Uh, got it. So I've got it up now. It's the first four players from the European points list then four players from the world points list, and I guess there's a, a race to Dubai component in there, and then four captain's picks. Okay, Zeph, can we circle back to use Luton real quick? The internet's telling me he's <laughs> Dutch. <laughs> Did you just see that soft J and feel like that soft uh, J was French? French in nature? No, I, I just inverted the French flag. <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> so I, I, I saw the, uh, the red, white, and blue. And just saw the, <laughs> a weird name and thought it was French, but it was actually just the uh, French flag turned 90 degrees. I think either way, we're I, I like juice. I like my Dutch people like showing me orange, not red, white, and blue. It's just kind of like soccer style. Yeah, I agree with that. Where does your boy Ian Poulter show up on those lists you have in front of you? Is that dude? I can't even believe he's in the match play this week. I I was, I was very surprised seeing there. He is 48. Whoa. Uh, he is 48th on the list. He's like, he's like the, he's like the 16th Englishman on the list. And uh, people are, I heard some people say, well, he might be a captain's pick. No fucking way. As a, like, you as an be, American fan, I would love for him to be a captain's pick. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. You need to be competitive in a golf tournament in the past two years to to get on the team. Ian Poulter's Ryder Cup record is good. His social media presence. Is not. He continued uh, 
that this week. I, I don't know, Zeph. I feel like he social medias and Instagrams like he's just trying to keep his mom up to date on what he's doing. Yeah, it, it really looks like he's like a seventh grade girl on Snapchat. It's just like random pictures of his dogs, like doing not so interesting things. Uh, you know, this week, like not not to knock a guy for not flying private because we're not like super fancy boys, but like posting from Southwest wondering who's going to be coming to sit next to him. Like, if you're going to fly Southwest from Florida to Austin, at least buy out the row, you know? It's like $69 a seat. <laughs> yeah, what that tells me is, one, you know, things aren't going that well for Ian when he's flying Southwest. Two, no one else likes him because, you know, a bunch of those bros have, have jets and are flying the yeah. same and he clearly didn't yeah. get the invite. Sorry, no one flying from Central or South Florida to Austin this week. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Do you think? Do you guys think that Poulter is just taking our feedback from last week? I mean, he may be a listener. I mean, we were ripping him last week for naming his dogs Bentley and Enzo after Enzo Ferrari and being a little bit too uppity. Maybe he's just trying to take <laughs> stuff left and tag it on social media and show that he's a man of the people. Uh, maybe, and I, I hope so. I mean, it'll show that there's a, a chance for some positive change. But don't don't let the pendulum swing too far. Ian, God, Southwest, give me a break. <laughs> I think it's more likely that he's just having cash flow problems. Uh, All right, so that's, that's enough about the uh, Euros. What do you guys think about DeChambeau's performance? I personally uh, was impressed by the comeback after his WD last week at the Valspar. Uh, he's sticking with his scientist persona with the way he described his injury after the uh, in one of his press conferences earlier in the week. I'm not sure if you guys caught that. There were about 12 words I didn't understand. He said something along the lines of, it was because my quadratus lumborum wasn't working. My iliacus longissimus thoracus, they were all kind of overworking, if you want to get technical on that. Pretty much my lower back was hurting, so I rested it. Yeah, couldn't start there. <laughs> <laughs> I found that to be, to be hysterical. I don't know if any of those words are actual words or if he is just, like, trying to pull one over on us, um, but I loved it. Uh, I also love the, the story they kept talking about with his irons all having individual names, uh, which is actually a story from a couple of years ago they just decided to bring, bring up because this is the first time he's been in contention in a while. Uh, but he named every single one of his irons. Most of them are related to Augusta and either holds in Augusta or past champions at Augusta. His five iron is Azalea because his favorite part five at Augusta also happens to be the name of Sergio's daughter. Shout out, Sergio. He also named his nine iron, which is 42 degrees, uh, and calls it Jackie for Jackie Robinson, which I found to be comical. Uh, and finally, he named his 60-degree king because Arnie won the Masters in 1960. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's definitely embracing the persona. Um, I personally found myself kind of rooting for him this weekend. I don't know if that's just because he's a, a fellow SMU alum or uh, or what, but what did you guys think? How do you feel about Shambo these days? So I, I also heard that he called his eight iron eight ball, and then Dustin Johnson called him a poser. Oh, boy. I'm what? glad you're enjoying this, John. Uh, I'm not. I'm done with this guy. He's not getting the memo that rounds are down nationwide because golf takes too long. He takes forever can you tell me what he is doing when the other person is preparing for their golf shot? 
it's like he takes a nap while the other person's going and then starts his whole preparation, like, when it's his turn. He's awful, and you can tell he's bugging the other players, too. So uh, I am not enjoying him, John. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. He did get warned for slow play on, like, the fifth hole on Sunday, which is pretty bad. I think they were, like, a full hole and a half behind. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's doing calculus or something on his yardage book in between every shot. Maybe the answer is just to give him a little computer. And that may speed up the pace of play. What do you think? Yeah, maybe let I mean, him have his laptop out there or one of his Microsoft uh, iPad things. I mean, he he's out there, like, talking about the ascent angle and the air density. And, it's like, it's all stuff that gets, like, factored into other players' shots. He just likes to talk about it and play it up to the cameras for the next, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, do you think yeah. he's actually is, is talking about that stuff with his caddy on Thursday and Friday when the cameras aren't necessarily around him? Yeah, I was wondering what the caddy's thought was on this, because he's just throwing out all these big words and doing the calculations, and the caddy sometimes, the look in his eye that I see is like, okay, bro. <laughs> I don't think the caddy's, like, following the math in parallel. Uh, Yeah, okay. Good shot vision here. Yeah, I came to the same number, Bryson. Go ahead. <laughs> hit, hit the jackie again. It seemed to work out for you last time. Yeah. I'm continually surprised by that, too, and I don't know if it's just, like, a lag in the coverage and they're not showing it in actual real time, but it's, like, someone's on a par five, the first guy hits a drive, and then, like, a full minute goes by, and the next guy's still, like, in his practice routine. It's, like, what what did you need to figure out to to hit your driver here? Yeah, I don't understand it. Setting a bad example for the casual golf fan, too. And for the kids, Tom, you got to set a good example for the kids. For the kids. You want to talk about creating positive change, guys. Amen. I'll shit on Bryson on Instagram all week and see if he speeds it up. I think that's the right the right course of action. All right, that's enough on our boy Bryson DeChambeau. What else uh, do you guys have from the tournament this weekend? I, I personally love the course. I think it's a – I've seen it a bunch of times, obviously, on TV. Love the final stretch of holes. Love that they've got a ton of these par fives that are reachable, but also – Punish you a little bit if you're out of the fairway. Uh, any other takeaways from this weekend, fellas? No, that's a good point. I love the four par fives. I loved 18. That 18, the water on 18 is hugging that green so closely. Offers a birdie opportunity, but also offers a, a chance for the leader to make double bogey coming home. I think Ricky took advantage of that latest opportunity. Ooh, yeah, tough finish for Ricky. All right, let's go ahead and move into our next segment that we do on a weekly basis, kicking the coverage. What do you guys think? Johnny was back this week. NBC, I thought, did a pretty good job. How did you guys feel about the NBC coverage? It was hard for me to tell if it was Arnie's tournament or not. I I heard them. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't clear. Did you guys? Could you guys tell? Did he have any charities? <laughs> hard to say. I mean, I love Arnie, and obviously they uh, need to do an ode to Arnie here and there, but. I don't need to cut to a different geographic location and have Peter Jacobson, you know, in a comfy armchair talking to me about Arnie's stories. The other thing, too, again, I love Arnie, but I've heard the story where some guy, when he's new on tour, is, like, cutting across the golf course and trying to finish before sundown and then runs into Arnie and then Arnie, like, introduces himself and acts like the guy wouldn't know who he is. I it's a great story, but I've heard it probably like 55 times, and uh, they need to find some new content for the Oats to Arnie, I guess is where I come out. Was that a, a Jake's take when he was telling the Arnie stories? It was one of Jake's takes, and then it was 
it they, someone used the same story like on Friday. Like guys, uh, the I, I think we'll, we'll we'll touch on the Jake's takes uh, next week or later week. We're gonna have a little NBC versus CBS uh, cage match where we break down the pros and cons of each. But those things are so freaking stupid. He's like he's funny enough in the flow of the conversation. We don't need to to force these things down our throats. Especially when you have an awesome leaderboard, right? Yeah, just let us watch the golf. Like, have all that stuff in the quiver, but if the golf is awesome and Tiger's making a move, just leave it in the quiver. Don't shoot the arrow, guys. Yeah. Uh, back to Johnny. I, th- I think Johnny was knocking some of the rust off, too. Uh, I-, I think he felt a little forgotten and felt like he had to speak uh, at all times. I mean, there, there was one example where Bones is out there on the course, and he says, the wind's at their back, the, the pin's in the back of the green." The water's not in play for these guys, especially if they're in the fairway. And then Johnny comes in, he goes, yes, the wind's coming from the west, so it's at their back. And with the pin where it is in the back, the water's not in play unless they're in that bunker. So he basically just said the exact same thing and added no value, but just felt like he had to speak. But it's good to know that the wind is from the west. Yeah, I am not a big Johnny guy. I feel like... He kind of it just it isn't like a, a, a smooth talker, and it makes me feel awkward when I'm watching golf. And I don't like to feel awkward when I'm watching the golf. Let us hear the player and caddy have that conversation because I'm sure they're having it. I mean, and you have the microphones there. Just don't don't talk over that conversation. That's some of the best TV there is. Completely agree. A lot of commercials. A lot of commercials. I watched part of the coverage on. Sunday, uh, I had to run out for a minute, and then so I DVR'd it and came back. And it's uh, you you pick up on the commercials a lot more when you DVR because you're actually fast forwarding through all of them. Uh, but at one point, I was fast forwarding through commercials, and they tuned back into the coverage, showed one shot from Tiger, and then a putt from Simpson and DeChambeau, and then immediately cut back out for another three or four minute commercial break, which is just absolutely obscene. I don't know what the cause is of that, but from a production standpoint, they've got to do a better job of getting in there, and I think you got to give me at least seven to ten minutes of good coverage before you cut back out to another commercial break. I mean, isn't that the time to save the, a quick Arnie piece or a Jake's take? Is like when you just came back from commercial and no one's hitting a shot, just kind of have that in your back pocket when that situation arises versus, you know, doing the NFL trick of, uh, score kick up, score commercial kickoff commercial. Yeah, totally. Exacerbating the problem for me also is that they keep showing that Microsoft Cloud big data commercial with Common like over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, if I was going to buy a Microsoft Cloud big data machine, I think I would have done it already after the first hundred times I saw the commercial. Like come up with a new commercial or something. I really do hate that commercial. Yeah, I also don't know if, like, the golf target audience knows who Common is. Great point. They could use one of those little labels at the bottom of the screen that says Common, famous movie and music performer. Common, former relevant hip-hop artist. (laughs) Exactly. I kind of feel like the point of those commercials are there's, like, a CEO watching the golf on TV and the commercial is trying to get the CEO to shoot an email off to the like chief technology officer or chief information officer and be like, hey, Jim, are we thinking about this? Okay, thanks. Yeah, I always, I always try to imagine like 
the perceived benefit of those commercials, like Amazon Web Services. <laughs> exactly. Let's get on that. And let's move on to Brodables. Uh, quick check-in on Smiley, uh, another DFL. Um, he's showing flashes, but it's getting to be a little sad. Uh, there's a good article on Golf Channel this week. He's getting heckled out on the course, um, you know, but at the same time, he, he's saying he's working through it. I, I admire his resolve, but at the same time, he, he's saying that he's got gears that other guys on tour don't, and he's got shots that others don't. Um, you know, hate to see him talking like that in the spot that he's in. Still like him, still want to see him do well. You know, wish him the best in the DR this week. Uh, although apparently you can't get odds on him to win the tournament, but hopefully he can get this turned around. Uh, also do a quick check-in on Ricky. Um, you know, he had a good week. He was an ambassador for the tournament. I'm sure he had a lot of stuff on his mind. Uh, unfortunately, it just, uh, again, it looks like he, he can't close. Um, he's having trouble putting together good Sundays and finishing rounds off well, so something he's going to need to get figured out. Um, being Arnie's tournament, uh, obviously he was a, a prior generation bro, um, you know, to the point where at age 75, he's, uh, he's cutting drivers off the deck around the water on 18, hitting into 20 feet. Um, has one of my favorite sports center commercials when he's making the Arnold Palmer in front of a SVP and, uh, Stu Scott. So quick shout out to Arnie as an honorary rotable for this week. Love you, Arnie. It's not his fault. They have a segment on him every seven minutes. Uh, one more rotable I'd like to highlight for us to keep an eye on going forward is Taylor Gooch. Taylor Gooch is a rookie on tour. Uh, he got himself in contention this week. Had a tough finish to finish tied for 26th, but still a pretty good week. Uh, I want to highlight Taylor Gooch because much in the same way that Tiger was destined for greatness when he was named Tiger, I think Gooch is destined for greatness. I just like saying his name, and I think that eventually Gooch and Cucci will form a very formidable team in the Ryder Cup. So let's keep an eye on, on Taylor Gooch going forward. Gooch. Gucci. All right, so my, my brotables for the week were, I'm sure you guys saw the Big Easy, my man Ernie Els, and Tiger being named President's Cup captain. Big Easy had a few good moments this weekend. Looked like he was going to put together a solid round on Saturday and then kind of dropped off a little bit. But I think there is some real – speculation that maybe both the Big Easy and Tiger could be playing captains next year in the President's Cup. I don't think that's going to hurt the international team's chances of winning. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he's been competitive lately. I love it. I'd also like to publicly apologize to Ernie Els. Uh, I posted on Instagram, there's a video of a two-year-old child missing six putts from inside of one foot, and I made reference to his first hole at the Masters a couple of years ago. Sorry, Big Easy. I love you. Big Easy was very nice to my parents on vacation once. Really? Love the guy. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to dig up that picture. But there's uh my mom and dad with Big Easy in the Bahamas. Uh, I believe there's a ice cold Budweiser on the bar. So I'll try to dig mm. that one up. Is the Big Easy uh, taller than Todd Zepp? Um, he is probably the same height as Todd Zepp, but a little bit thicker. Yeah, he's a big old boy. Big, 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 Big Easy is like an easy 6'4". Apparently, he like, was a pretty good rugby player in his day, which is pretty bro. Pretty bro. also saw a great quote from Ernie Els this week. said, you'll get better results and often more distance if you swing at 80% effort. I feel like that uh, is lessons to live by. Like, don't give 100%. Just, just give 80%, right? <laughs> Something tells me Pat Perez has that, like, framed on his wall in his house somewhere. <laughs> 
I don't think he's a big workout guy and like swing real hard guy. <laughs> Speaking of Pat Perez, I mean, he's in the field this week. Uh, he's up there in the world rankings. I can't, I'm, I'm trying to look up when the last time he's played. I just haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, when you go on uh, PGAtour.com and under latest, it's all of his Instagram posts, which are actually pretty funny. But I don't think he's played since he put up a 75 in the last round of the WGC Mexico. So he's he's certainly not working too hard. I think he feels Maybe. like his brand is is really high right now based on the mention we gave him in the context of Tommy Armour on the pod recently. And he's like, I don't want to mess this up. I want to keep my brand on high, on fleek. Pat Perez is one of the very few highlights from the uh, WGC bracket preview show last night. He strolls onto the stage. I don't know if you guys caught any of this thing, but essentially they did like a NBA lottery style uh, selection show last night with little ping pong balls, and they had famous people come in and press the button for the ping pong balls to select each bracket, and they had a few tour players come out and do interviews when it was their bracket uh, that popped up. Uh, so they had Pat Perez out there, and it's in a live audience. Everybody's having cocktails and stuff, and Pat Perez just strolled out with, like, a half-drank cocktail in his hand, struts on stage, hair looking super bro just living the good life. So he may not be playing in tournaments, but I think he's having a good time. I love Pat Perez. Shamesies. Yeah, I'm I'm pro uh, Pat Perez. I'm not, not pro the selection show they had last night because it was, like, Nails on the chalkboard to watch, but um, yeah, it's been a tough couple of weeks for selection shows. Then between this and uh, just the absolute shellacking that the NCAA took and uh, and TBS for the NCAA selection show, it was painful to watch. Um, but excited about the tournament this weekend. I think it's the second year of the new format, second or third year. They moved away from a true match play format from beginning to end. Um, and now they have a group stage to guarantee more rounds for these guys uh, so you don't just get a, a one-and-done scenario. Uh, so they've got 16 groups, um, and I think the way it works is there's one round on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, one match for each player, and I believe the top seed in each bracket plays the – fourth seed in the bracket on Wednesday, the third seed in the bracket on Thursday, um, hopefully leading to a showdown between the top two seeds in each bracket uh, on Friday as way it's set awesome. up. So looking, looking forward to some Wednesday coverage um, tomorrow. I'm assuming this pod will be up and running by then. So looking forward to that. Uh, so the groups are out, fellas. We got our brackets done. Um, the big, the big bracket that's getting a lot of hype is Spieth and Patrick uh, paired up against each other as the top two seeds in their bracket, along with Houtong Lee and Charles Schwarzel. So that's a, a tough one. Any other brackets that you uh, thought were noteworthy? One fun little wrinkle this year uh, versus years prior is that there used to be a head-to-head tiebreaker um, that led to some meaningless Friday morning matches that turned into practice rounds. This year, the only tiebreaker will be a sudden-death playoff. So after our Friday morning matches, we could get several one-hole playoffs uh, to get into the round of 16. So that should be fun. Love that. Love that. Yeah, I think one interesting group is uh, Alex Norin, um, who has been playing well of late. Um, He's got two bombers in his bracket uh, in Tony Finau and Thomas Peters. 
And I just scrolled through some of the holes earlier. There are some long par fours on this course. So I think uh, those guys' length is certainly going to come into play, and having two of those guys in the same group should be interesting. Yeah, I've got Peters moving out of that bracket. From what I can recall from the 2016 Ryder Cup, he was a bit of a boss in match play. So I've got him moving on. Yeah, one strong match play player that I feel like not many people are talking about is Patrick Cantlay. Uh, Cantlay was a U.S. Amateur finalist, very strong match play player. So, uh, you know, I'd expect him to get it up for this tournament. Uh, I think he'll be at attention. His posture is, is always an issue in his swing, so I expect him to have really good erect posture. And <laughs> I just expect him to, to putt it firm and confidently throughout the tournament. So let's keep an eye on Cantlay. So let's go ahead and get into our, our brackets. Uh, my final four, I've got – DJ against Reed in one of the semis, and JT against Rory in a top putter in the other semi. And I've got Reed versus Roars in the final, which is a nice little rematch from the Ryder Cup of 2016, one of the best Ryder Cup matches of all time, in my opinion. And I've got Reed squeaking that one out against my man Rory. Pretty boring, John. What do you got, Zip? So I actually have a long shot going deep here. I've I've got Tommy Fleetwood uh, getting to the finals, but ultimately losing to JT. I think JT stays hot here, um, and he's just one of the you know best talents on tour lately. And last we saw him, he lost in a WGC playoff. But the uh, the same uh, model that predicted Tiger being competitive at the Valspar and the Arnie. Um, predicts Tommy Fleetwood going real deep here. So that, he's my dark horse, and I've got him uh, getting into the finals. Interesting. My final four, I've got the aforementioned Cantlay, DJ, Pat Perez, and Kiradich, <laughs> Afi Barnot. Uh, I'm a big Kiradich guy. I think uh, he's at an advantage this week because they have to play so many rounds. The guys are going to be burning a bunch of calories, and he's got more calories to burn than uh, almost <laughs> anyone in the tournament. Um, and then I've got, I've got him though losing to Pat in the semifinals and I've got Cantley beating DJ in the other semifinal. And then I've got Cantley, uh, with a strong firm victory. Well, well, while I appreciate the, uh, the comedy of, of after Barnrat, uh, big, big upset, uh, getting past the defending runner up in John Rum. Yeah. I think John Rum's got majors on his mind. And I don't think he's going to be super focused for this tournament, to be honest with you. I, I, in general, I don't think the guys like playing this tournament. That's my uh, hot take of the day. Yeah, I think they're actually the moving it like... the schedule to next year. They're moving it, uh, I want to say, to May, I believe, because they're reshuffling everything and putting the players before the Masters and the PGA in May. So hopefully when they – get this thing in a better place on the schedule, it starts to make a little bit more sense for all the top guys. He's got some pretty big names sitting this one out because it's just not good prep for the Masters. I know Rosie, Stinson, Ricky, uh, none of those guys are in the field this week. The thing I love about this format for a guy like Rom is that, like, the blow-up hole uh, doesn't really come into play. Like, whether you, you know, if your partner makes a par, it doesn't matter if you make a bogey or a triple bogey. Um, you lost that hole and you move on, and it's kind of just easier to get it out of your mind, which, you know, it seems to be the uh, the bugaboo for the Rominator. I think that's a great point. I, I think that's probably one reason why Mr. Woods has also enjoyed and fared well in match play tournaments in the past. 
God, I wish he was playing this week. I know. Any other notable upsets you guys picked out? Not really. I've got Louie Uthausen over Day in that bracket. I also have Cantlay making a pretty deep run. Uh, you knocked out by my boy Patrick. You got Phil beating beating Rombo in the second round. Nothing major. I could see our man Terrell Hatton going pretty deep. He's got a pretty easy bracket, and then he'll probably have to play Cantlay, who I may be overvaluing. Um, so I think he's got a chance of making a good run. Yeah, I mean, I, I my upsets. Um... They probably wouldn't surprise you to hear, but they're upsets in terms of, you know, the current world rankings. But I've got, you know, Xander getting out of Sergio's group. Uh, and Bubba Watson, who's playing well lately, he's currently at 35, getting through uh, the group featuring Mark Leishman. Should be fun, though. Yeah. Well, the players might not like it as a as a prep. I like the mix-up. And I love that it's coming on TV on Wednesday. I've got Pat Perez getting uh, not getting out of the group stage, by the way. So we'll, we'll be interested to check back in on that one. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's enough on the WGC. Uh, last topic of the day for this pod is our weekly gambling update. Zeph, this is your uh, your sweet spot. Looks like we've got some updated Masters odds. Tiger is still the favorite. How do we feel about that? Yeah, Tiger uh, at eight to one as a favorite to win the Masters. Um, I mean, just how incredible and at the same time nuts this is, um, you know, <laughs> it, it certainly plays into what we've discussed on, on prior episodes about just kind of the Tiger being a very public bet. It's just crazy that uh, that he's even kind of in the top three favorites. Um, again, I, I took a hedge on him at 15 to one. Um, so it, it seems like pretty decent hedge odds at this point, but um, I, I can't seriously think of him as the actual favorite to win the Masters. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would just pick him against the field at this point. Uh, he does, no matter what, always seem to perform at the Masters. Hard, hard to bet against him. I, to me, I've got Tiger, Rory, Rosie, and Spieth as my, my four guys. I would kind of pick one of those four guys to win going in. I feel like he's almost guaranteed to play well and compete and get a top ten. But I also feel like I'm saying that about 10 or so guys, and that mathematically is going to be difficult. So, I don't know. There's just a lot of really good players right now who want to win majors really badly, and it's going to be tough. So, we'll see. Yeah. After the last couple of weeks, I, I took Rory at uh, 11 to 1 to win the Masters and Rosie to win a major this year, um, just because of how well they're playing and how consistently Rose has been playing. Um, so you, w- would you actually be shocked if Tiger was outside the top 10? Because that's not the first time I've heard that. And I, just, I don't think you can be shocked that anybody finishes outside the top 10 in a major. I think I'd be shocked if he missed the cut. Uh, I would not be shocked if he finished T33. Yeah, same. I mean, he came T5 in a tournament that was missing a good chunk of the top 10 players in the world. Um, you know, with all those guys back and dialed in and focused on this for months, um, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be totally shocked if he wins it. That's why I hedged, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was outside the top ten. Time will tell. What if I told you? Time will tell. Time will tell. What if I told you that someone won the Masters by seven this year? Who do you think it would most likely be? Ooh. Rory. Got to be Rory, right? 
I think I got to go Rory, too. It's, you know, you can say um, no one's A game is as good as Rory's A game. At the same time, he led the field in every major statistical category for the entire week at the Arnold. And it still came down to the wire to an extent. I mean, he ended up winning by three, but it was was pretty close, uh, pretty late. Yeah, I can't really keep track of all the stats that people are talking about on TV these days. But definitely, it wasn't like the super complex ones. It was like he's number one in putting, number one in driving distance, number one in scrambling, and number one in proximity to the hole. It wasn't like convoluted strokes gain stats. It was like the basic stuff. That's fair. So I think part the, of it is that if you leave the field in driving, proximity to the hole, scrambling, and putting, you'd think you'd win by ten strokes. Unless like Bryson was second in all those which I think may have been the case, not necessarily second in all of them, but, you know, towards the top in yeah. all of them as well. I guess on a scale of 1 to 10, guys, how confident are you in Tiger winning the Masters? Tom, let's start with you. 8.9. I think the last time he played in the Masters, he had the chip yips and a broken back and no confidence, and he got 17th. So I'm optimistic about his performance. I bet you don't. Yeah, so 10 being, like, he's definitely going to win. I'd probably throw him at, like, a 6 out of 10. I think he's he looks really good the last two weeks. I'm worried about his driver and it just going off the property at Augusta. Um, but hopefully he's got, you know, two and a half weeks or so of range time to figure that thing out before he gets down there. So I'm, I'm pretty hopeful. Yeah, I'm at, like, a 4.5. That's why I hedged. Um you know, I, I think a 10 out of 10 would be like you'd take Tiger versus the field even money, which which you used to have to do uh, in the good old days. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a competitive golfer again in, in major in big tournaments. So. All right. So uh, with that, I think we have exhausted all the topics on our show today. Look forward to the WGC this week. Uh, following along closely on our brackets. And once that is over, brings us one more week closer to the Masters. So everybody have fun out there. Just hit it and chase it. Keep up with the group ahead of you, especially you, Bryson.